is time for our weekly wine chat with Jack Farrell from the Haskells. Good morning, Jack. Hello, Steve. How are you this morning? Oh, very good. Good. See, I thought we'd talk about today, in as much as it's fishing opener, a good wine to pair with fish for fishing opener. And my favorite of all wines to have with particularly a shore lunch and walleye, is a wine called Muscadet. Now, that's not to be confused with Muscatel or anything else. Muscadet is a big area. It's about 40,000 acres in uh, the mouth of the Loire River, which is the longest river in France. And where it dumps into the Atlantic Ocean, that big area there outside the city of Nantes, is called Muscadet. And the, the wines made there are very, very delicious and very inexpensive. You're hard-pressed to spend over 12 or $13 on a Muscadet. And that doesn't mean they're not very good. As I said, it's my favorite wine to have with shore lunch because it is a simple wine, and your shore lunch is simple, too. So that that's kind of important. Uh, Muscadet is a wine totally unto itself. Because it's so close to the sea there, uh, the weather in there, that area is influenced greatly by the Atlantic current uh, coming up there and kind of acts as a heater uh, through the winter and even in the spring. And, of course, the biggest danger is frost there because they get nasty frost. As, even after if the 1st of April, they can get a killing frost. In fact, the reason they have the grape type there, Malone de Bourgogne, was because of a frost in 1700. And that was the time the Dutch were the biggest buyers of French wine. And the reason they bought the French wine is they wanted a wine to make what they called burnt wine, where they would actually distill the wine, and it was Dutch brandy. And that brandy from Holland was shipped all over uh, the known world at that time and was very popular. And the grape type and the wine that they were turning into that brandy came from Muscadet. Then about 1750s, 60s, something like that, Louis XIV, the Sun King, decided to order, make sure that everything was planted in the Malone de Bourgogne, the melon of Burgundy, and that's this grape type. And it's a fairly innocuous grape type. In fact, it doesn't get a lot of its flavor uh, from just turning it into wine, it has to sit surly. By surly, it's on top of its lees. And the, this means that wine has to sit on the dregs when it's made, and it gives it character. A lot of wines, that would change the wine in a deleterious fashion. However, the Malone de Bourgogne, doesn't t- it becomes a little more complex, and it's interesting. They're lobbying, of course, the winemakers are in Muscadet, that maybe these uh, surlis should only be in old barrels. Well, they're not so sure about that because some of the surly wine is done in 3,000-liter stainless steel tanks, and it, do- and it affects the wine the same way. It gives it a little bit of character and uh, a lot of flavor. Uh, I remember early on in the wine business, maybe that's why I like Muscadet so much, I had to go to the Loire Valley. This is back in the early 70s. And one of the places I stopped at was the castle of the Marquis de Goulaine. And he was a very neat guy, raised butterflies of all things, and that's a tough area, you know, it's not real tropical to be raising butterflies, but he did. 
And he was very proud of the fact that his family shield had the leopard of England and the fleur-de-lis of France on it because they helped make peace in the Hundred Years' War with Joan of Arc and all those historical people. And so meeting the Marquis de Goulaine, who was passionate about Muscadet, uh, influenced me as a young man very early on. And today I share his passion with it uh, because the wines are so wonderful and overlooked. Nobody knows much about Muscadet. And it has a noble history. You know, the Romans planted those vineyards in about 300 uh, A.D., and that whole big area, it is, as I said earlier, one of the largest wine-growing areas in all of France. There's about 40,000 acres that are devoted in this big geographical area to producing Muscadet wine, and from that wine, the Malone de Bourgogne. It really is a neat area, and I, the climate and geography, as I said, is very much influenced. The climate, particularly, is influenced by the Pacific, or I'm sorry, the Atlantic Current, which turns right out at Side and Nantes, and keeps that acts as an air conditioning and a heating system. Heats it in the winter and air conditions it in the summer. There's several Appalachians in the Muscadet region, but the most important one. Servet, Maine, and that's the one to look for, not the Cote de Loire, the Grigny, or any of the others. It's just Servet, Maine is the one to look for, and it's the one that's the best. And then, of course, you want to make sure the wines are surly but have been fermented on the lees. It makes the wine a little more complex. Uh, The areas, as I said, can be plagued with frost, and uh, it, that's how it, it started is, uh, with the Malone de Bourgogne, the Dutch planting that Malone de Bourgogne. But the winemaking in the area is very sophisticated. The Loire Valley produces some wonderful wines, uh, my favorite of which, uh, maybe of all of them, is Sancerre. As much as I love Muscadet, Sancerre is another wine that's really not to be overlooked, particularly for fishing opener. I think Sancerre goes just beautiful with crappies, and if you can get a nice big-sized spring crappie, there's nothing better uh, than that sautéed with a little glass of muscadet. It uh, makes your taste buds just dance. And as I said, this muscadet is a a wonderful wine to have with uh, your shore lunch. Uh, You know, it's one of those wines you can take to the lake or the creek or the river, wherever you happen to be fishing, and put that muscadet in the water, and the water is plenty cold at this time of year. 20 minutes in the water, it's the perfect drinking temperature, and there you are with a wonderful shore lunch and a good bottle of muscadet. And uh, that that they've clamped down a lot on these surly rules, and that's very important for to make sure you get good muscadet. It's really kind of hard to get a bad muscadet, in my opinion. It's a simple wine. It's uncomplicated, and uh, as long as you're, you're looking for that, and with a short lunch, you want a simple wine. Uh, they're, they're very, very dry, very light, very little. There's hardly any residual sugar in the wine, and uh, sometimes you'll get even a little spritz on your tongue, and this comes from the process where the wine is actually undergoing fermentation again from the heat of your tongue. And that spritz is kind of pleasant. I mean, it's it's not an unpleasant thing.
to have a little spritz from that muscadet as you're uh, having it with walleye. However, in Muscadet, they do, in the Loire Valley, they don't have any walleye. And, of course, the big fish there is the whitefish from the Loire, and that goes beautifully with uh, Muscadet. And that was my inspiration, really, for marrying Muscadet with uh, a shore lunch on one of the first fishing openers I went to. I was in charge of the wine, as you might expect, and I picked Muscadet, and there, no one had ever heard of it, and they all loved it, and the rest is history. The in, However, in the Loire Valley of France, what this goes very, very well with are the oysters, and the oysters from that part of France, where the Loire empties into the Atlantic Ocean, are much prized. And while I like Chablis with my oysters, I've had Muscadet, and the marriage is divine. It's made in heaven. It's not Quite as good as Chablis, but it's an awfully good marriage. And then, don't forget, Muscadet will go very, very well with any kind of shellfish, lobster, shrimp, uh, oysters. Uh, You know, Muscadet has been described as the perfect oyster wine because it has moderate levels of alcohol in it. It's very light in alcohol, but has light, crisp acidity, and that crisp acidity cuts through the rich, creamy dishes, which uh, most of those fish are. And, of course, uh, the Loire, as I said, is one of the most beautiful places you can visit in all of France. And there are other wines from there, like Sancerre, and, of course, uh, you've all heard me say many, many times, Sancerre is Sauvignon Blanc with a college education. It's the most complex form of Sauvignon Blanc in the world, and it's really wonderful. And another wonderful wine, of course, from the Loire is Vouvray, and we recommend always a Vouvray at Thanksgiving to have with turkey because Vouvray is made from the Chenin Blanc grape, and Chenin Blanc uh, is a little softer uh, type of grape and produces a soft white wine, which uh, enables the wine to marry well with yams and marshmallows and all the extra side dishes you have at Thanksgiving. And yet still, the Chenin Blanc is strong enough to stand up to the turkey. So the Loire is full of all these wonderful wines that you can try, Pouille Fumé. Uh, and, and, incidentally, it is the largest area outside of Champagne for producing sparkling wine. And if you have the time and you're in France and go to the Loire, the castles are fabulous. Chambord, which was France's the first hunting lodge, is one of the most gorgeous big buildings you'll ever see. Chenisseau was built, it was set as a love house, much like the Taj Mahal. And it's a beautiful castle set on uh, over the river. And I've always been amazed at Chenisseau. The river actually turns the spits in the kitchen and, you know, served as not only a source of water, but a source of power for those uh, kitchens at Chenisseau, which are wonderful. And then at night, these castles, Amboise is another great one, have what they call luminaries, and that's a light show at night reflecting off of the castles and the chateau, uh, the different types of lights and everything. It really is a great place to visit. Uh, The Loire Valley, if you ever have time for it, Believe me, you won't regret it. It's called the breadbasket of France, and with good reason. That Loire Valley features all of the wonderful things of France, and you may know about it. I mean, you've had Anjou pears. That comes from 
Anjou, which is a town in the Loire Valley. So it's really been around a long, long time. And, oh, let's not forget about Mom, Sunday's Mother's Day. How about a bouquet of rosé? Yeah, give her six bottles of rosé. We've chosen six sparkling uh, from Italy, Oregon, Provence, Bordeaux, and they're only $74 uh, for six bottles of rosé that Mom is sure to love. And I've always said give Mom a bouquet that you can both share. Give her a nice bottle of wine. What a wonderful gift that would be. And these wine chats are brought to you by my favorite store, Haskell's. We at Haskell's absolutely love to pair wine with your favorite dishes. And we've gotten, after 86 years, to be pretty good at it. So there's a Haskell's near you where you can save big dollars on wine. Bloomington, Excelsior. There's a Haskell's in Fairboat right off at 35. Our super seller up in Maple Grove. In downtown Minneapolis, there's free parking on Saturday and Sunday. Minnetonka at Ridgedale, Plymouth, St. Paul's Highland Village, Stillwater, White Bear Lake, and Woodbury. And if you can't go or come in, go to Haskells.com. And don't forget, we do deliver and have been delivering for 86 years. And we've gotten pretty good at it. And we observe all of the wonderful things that you have to do to avoid it. So we're keeping you safe and protected, and we can still afford you some wonderful wines to get through this, which we hope we all will together. Well, Jack, always good to visit with you, and I always learn so much. Thanks again for joining us with your weekly wine chat. Steve, it's my great pleasure. Have a good week. Yeah, you as well, and happy Mother's Day to all those moms tomorrow. Jack Farrell in our weekly wine chat comes your way each and every Saturday morning at 745 here on News Talk, A3O, WCCO.